Hello, folks, and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if that sounds good to you, make sure that you subscribe to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on iTunes and Spotify. New episodes drop there every Monday morning when Zach and I record on time and we didn't record on time this week. Let's not talk about it. Anyway, it will be Monday mornings, usually. At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville and A to Z Sports Nashville.com is where you can find everything that Zach writes, where he gets everybody going over on Facebook. I saw some stuff you wrote this week, Zach. People on Facebook were not happy with you. And we're going to talk about what you wrote about and why people are unhappy for a myriad of reasons right now at Tennessee Sports. Let's get right to it. We're going to talk about Tennessee being essentially non-competitive against Oregon State and getting bounced in the first round and how how that looks in light of the conversation that we had last week. Um, but first, we will talk quickly. As we always say on the show, you got to, this is Tennessee. At the end of the day, you got to talk about football first. And there's some weirdness going on. Uh, just a little note here, a little update with Henry Toto, uh, big time linebacker for Tennessee, formerly for Tennessee. Uh, not totally sure <laughs> where where he's at. What is going on? Let's talk about that. Zach, what's up? Nothing with Tennessee's ever simple, is it? Uh, Henry Toto is in the transfer portal. He's been in California since leaving Knoxville back in December. And all indications were that he was heading to Alabama or somewhere that's not Tennessee, Utah maybe. Who knows? Then all of a sudden, last night, he's back in Knoxville. But is he part of the team? Is he not part of the team? It's truly a bizarre situation, and nobody seems to have an answer. I mean, uh, Austin Price of VolQuest.com is kind of the – Really one of the go-to guys on the Tennessee beat. I mean, he has a usually has information the quickest, and I, I'd probably say the most accurate. They've got a great relationship with the Tennessee Athletics Department over there. Brent Hubbs kind of works for the university. But nonetheless, they have great info, and they don't even really know what's going on. Uh, it, there's some thought maybe he came back to Knoxville to pick up some stuff. But there's also talk that his parents already did that for him. Um, he's still technically in the portal, uh, according to Price. One of the stipulations of him rejoining the team was exiting the portal. So, it, I don't know. Spring practice starts this week. I guess we'll have an answer when Tennessee finally hits the practice field, which I believe is Thursday because it was pushed back a couple of weeks because of some COVID issues. It's It's something worth watching. I don't. I don't think he's going to turn out. I, I don't think he'll be on the team in 2021 is my personal opinion here. That's my prediction at the moment because there's just so much weirdness. If it was obviously something like we have a confirmation that he's moving back in to wherever, you know, something like that. But it's this weird. He may be moving back in. He may be moving out. Uh, we're not totally sure he's still in the portal, but there there hasn't been news from any other side. There hasn't been a, an Alabama reporter coming out and saying Henry Toto is officially coming to Alabama, anything like that. So it's so strange that it's still up in the air. I, obviously, he would be a massive, massive piece on Tennessee's defense. He would be the leader of the defense if he comes back next year. I, essentially, he was last year, and he would be again uh, for Josh Heupel, you would think. And I mean, it would be a gift to the new defensive coordinator if he would come back. But at the same time, do you want a guy who's kind of seemingly flipping and flopping and not really feeling it and may not actually want to be here and blah, 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 blah. I, you know, that's that's kind of a question all in itself. And do do you know, does Hypel and his staff maybe look and say, this is a little more trouble than it's worth. Let's just move on. I this complete, complete speculation on my part, but. 
you know, who knows what's going on behind the scenes there. Yeah, there, I think there's two two things to look at here. Like you're talking about, th- does he want to be here? I think he kind of does want to be here. I think he likes Knoxville. I think he likes Tennessee. From comments that have been made, I think his parents don't want him at Tennessee. I think they'd like to see him in Alabama uh, or another program maybe closer to home. He's from California. And I can understand that. I, I don't think Henry Toto has anything negative really about Tennessee other other than the fact that, you know, Tennessee doesn't win a lot of games. Otherwise, I think he, he's like the experience. You see him on Instagram stories all the time. He's still wearing Tennessee gear, you know, up until this last week, pretty consistently. And then the thing with Alabama, do they have room for him? I mean, it's kind of a weird thing to say is this is a guy that Tennessee desperately kind of wants back, or at least fans desperately want back. But Alabama, so loaded, there's only so many spots, only so many players you can take. Do they have room for a transfer player? I mean, I, I can't see them telling him no, but at the same time, if if their class is full, and I, and I don't know how Alabama's numbers have exactly worked out, they always seem to find a way to fit in what they want to fit in. Kudos to Nick, yeah, kudos to Nick Saban. He 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 knows the numbers better than anyone. But it could be a situation where maybe Alabama said we just we just can't make it work, and going back to Tennessee's is best option. I, I don't know. I mean, there, there there's really no answer right now. Yeah, it, it's tough to really try to read the tea leaves there because there's not a whole lot to read besides total speculation. Like even what you're reading into a speculation, you're not really sure what which way is up, which way is down, and so it's just going to be a wait and see sort of thing. I there was I hope- there was one good conspiracy theory today I saw on social media, and a good conspiracy theory in college football is always fun. Oh, was yeah. It was that uh, Nick Saban wanted Henry Toto to come back to Tennessee to go through spring practice to get a read on uh, Josh Heupel's offense, oh so he could, so he could, and you know, <laughs> at first glance, it's like, look, Nick Saban doesn't need that information. They're going to Alabama's going to beat Tennessee next year, regardless. Exactly. But, at the, but at the same time, Nick Saban treats games against, you know far inferior opponents like it's a national championship game. I mean, that's why he's so good. They, uh, Alabama could go out there and and play, you know, Georgia Southern, and he's going to treat that game like it's being played in early January. So, yeah. We, but I don't subscribe to that conspiracy theory. Just, just found it funny. definitely seems outlandish, although I'm kind of with you in saying that this is also this, the same guy who – yeah, it's obvious he's going to beat basically everybody in the SEC, but every single year, year in and year out, he still finds a way to drum up the, oh, look at them. They're doubting us. Did you hear what they said out mm-hmm. there? They don't believe they don't believe Alabama can do the, You know, he still finds a way every single year to act like wit to motivate his team. Oh, this is the old uh, the rat poison comment that time. Oh yeah. When they were talking Alabama up, which Lane Kiffin still to this day quotes that pretty often on Twitter. <laughs> so ridiculous. I mean I you know, I I could see it, I guess, but yeah, let's be honest here. That's pretty funny. Even does yeah. not need a mole in the program to be able to beat Tennessee this coming year. I don't in my personal opinion uh, unless Josh Heupel has a has a rabbit to pull out of a hat somehow, I you know, it's it's going to be a a easy one for Saban. But nonetheless, I mean, I I hope Toto is a, a volunteer again. If if you're his I, teammates, how do you how would how do you feel about the way he's yeah, handled this spring? You know, it's that, that, weird. that's probably tough because they've been going through this winter conditioning these team bonding events we've seen with Heupel. I mean, he's really trying to, just like any new coach, you got to rebuild the culture, make it your own. It's, it's nothing unique that Heupel's doing. I don't want to pat him on the back too much, but it's the stuff that new coaches have to do. Team has to buy into it, and, and it seems like the team is buying into Heupel based on what we're seeing on social media. And then you got a player that's, you know, supposed to be a leader of the defense, still technically enrolled at the university but he's all the way across the country kind of you know one foot in one foot out I, I could see that being a weird awkward situation well and it's it's odd with him you know if he chooses to go to Alabama like 
the motivation is purely to just win because he's good enough and will be featured enough at Tennessee that at Tennessee, his chance of making the NFL is just as good as if he went to Alabama. At Alabama, you'll probably win a national title. At Tennessee, you're going to end up in the same place without a national title. Like, in in the long run, he's an NFL player. I think everybody who's watched that kid play know that he has that kind of potential. But, uh, yeah, just with Alabama, you'd be able to win a national title. So, I don't, who knows where his head is at. Where I think you're making an excellent point with his teammates. If the dynamic is totally thrown off there. You know, if he comes back and suddenly wants to be a leader again, you go, oh, well, you weren't here. Where you been? You weren't here this whole offseason. And now you're going to try to come back in here and try to be like, the, the leader uh, of the defensive unit. That's not how that works. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's, it's it, tough to say. And it's all just speculation at this point. It opens up a whole nother conversation too about, and it's something you mentioned when we were texting about it earlier is the, uh, or actually I think I was texting with Austin Stanley. Um, what are you going to do about the transfer portal? How, how do you regulate this? Because at this point in time, there's no regulations on this. You got players leaving kind of whenever they want to leave. It puts the schools at a disadvantage because they don't really know who's leaving, when they're leaving, how many spots they have to fill. And and do they go through spring practice and then leave? Do they have to be somewhere before then? I mean, the NCAA has to – they need to institute some sort of rule where there's like a signing day for the transfer portal because otherwise it's, it's it really is kind of the wild, wild west right now with this portal – and it's to nobody's advantage because you've got kids that are in the portal that they they're still in the portal. They don't have a home yet. I mean, it's it's an insane number at this point. Well, if they're in the portal, programs are compensating for that loss already, so they're they're not going to have anywhere to go back to. Uh, it, it's a it's it's just a cluster, and the NCAA is going to have to figure something out, some way to to make this a little more organized and, and to where it works out for everyone. I'm all for players transferring. I think the one-time transfer is a, is a good rule if it, if it ever does pass, and it seems like it, it kind of is happening anyway these days pretty much with the waivers. Uh, but, but there's got to be some sort of regulation on it. You know what could help? Having the players get treated as employees. That would certainly be a good first step. So yeah. that you could have, you know, like a non-compete or something like that. And then we wouldn't have to worry about all this. But that's an entire other conversation. A big, fat conversation that we are not going to have right now. Um, yeah, it's... It is definitely something that's going to have to get waded through because it is. I don't, you know, I, I've been such a giant advocate of players being compensated. And thus, I've been a giant advocate of players being able to transfer whenever they want, wherever they want, as many times as they want. I don't even agree with the one time. I think they should be able, it should be absolutely, until the NCAA treats them as employees, it should be free free reign. Um just to that, and that's purely to stay consistent in my views. Do I think that's the best thing for college football? No, I do not. It's everything that you're saying. Everything that you're saying is correct. It's detrimental in a lot of ways. But until the NCAA is not a massive hypocrite, this is the way it has to be. And yeah, it's it's some pretty weird waters to wade through, create strange situations like this one with old Henry T. And we're just going to have to wait and see how that happens. Spring football coming up very shortly. Very excited about that. Uh, And we were hoping that we would be able to bridge the gap to spring football with a little more basketball. And last week, Zach, you and I had a conversation that we definitely took some heat for on different social media platforms and had some people going like, why? Why would you talk about this? Right now, this is not, it's totally unnecessary. And, you know, we got a lot of responses like that. Um, But we talked about how Rick Barnes has sort of made a habit for, oh, 20 some odd years now of underperforming. (laughs) And we just kind of made the point of, 
maybe it's time to call a spade a spade, but we ended that episode saying, hey, Rick has a great opportunity here in the tournament. It's it's just another opportunity to to make a run, make a Final Four, make an Elite Eight, change our minds, really show people, oh, Rick can coach in March rather than this long-term perception that so many people have of him as just being a guy who who has a really nice regular season and recruits really well, but then just peters out when it really matters. Um, and he did not do, not only did he not do anything to help himself, he very, 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 very much hurt his argument. And I admittedly, I am a guy who hosts a podcast and I love, and I did radio for five years. I love hearing myself talk. I love being right. I really love being right. I really did not want to be right about this. Like so, 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 so badly. Tennessee sports needs a win right now. So badly. Tennessee sports needs victories right now. And hey, Lady Vols still in it. Tony Vitello and the baseball team just won the series against Georgia. That's awesome. That's looking good. But ah, Rick, what are you doing? Tennessee, first round of the NCAA tournament, doesn't even get close to beating Oregon State. Just run over on both ends of the floor. Didn't even look competitive. Didn't look interested. Didn't seem like they wanted to be there at all. It was a total embarrassment from beginning to end. That game was not close. Oregon State steamrolled Tennessee. Oregon State, what are we doing? I was beside myself. Like, I don't... Genuinely, I hope you can hear it in my voice. I did not want to be right, this right, about what we were talking about last week. I mean, I definitely made the point that that Rick has really shown that he just doesn't have it in the postseason. He just doesn't. And he played right into basically everything that I said, and it was really disappointing. I'm not going to do some kind of victory lap. It's really disappointing, and I'm pissed. Because dang it. Don't put Tennessee in this position where we have to think about like the future of Rick Barnes. Just make it where we can we can be happy until retirement. That's all I want to see out of Rick Barnes. And I'm not sure that's going to be the case, Zach. No, it's tough to really take anything positive from, from this past few weeks. Honestly, after we recorded the podcast last week, I felt like we would be talking about Rick Barnes, maybe a second round exit losing in the second round, not making the sweet 16. That's just, that was my gut feeling. Same. I I never really even, I knew it was a tough matchup with Oregon state. I mean, especially this year, things have been so weird. I mean, we were talking about it before we started recording this, this tournament's been unpredictable. Uh, So it is a strange year, but when you combine all of, everything with Rick Barnes that you, you know, you kind of, you look at it a little different, but I, I never really considered that they would lose that game, especially not in the way they lost that game where, where, like you said, it was never, it was never close. It was Tennessee was never a threat to win that game. Oregon state controlled the entire game. And at this point, I think the conversation has to center around, you know, what do you want Tennessee basketball to be? What do you expect from Tennessee basketball? Something we talked about last week. What are your expectations for Tennessee basketball? If making the tournament every year is is your goal, then yeah, you know, Rick Barnes is doing that pretty much. Uh, but if you want to set your sights higher, like Alabama has, like LSU has in, in a sense, uh, Arkansas, some of these other SEC programs, is Rick Barnes ever going to get you there? There's absolutely nothing in his history that suggests that that he will. I think he's won one conference tournament in his entire coaching career, which is 34, 35 years. That he, I, th- I think it was at Providence. Never won a Big 12 tournament. Never won an ACC tournament. He's, he's never won an SEC tournament. He's made one Final Four. This is who Rick Barnes is. And like you said, plenty of times he's one of the highest paid coaches in college basketball. I mean, as of March 9th, he was the fifth highest paid coach in college basketball. Like you've pointed out more than Roy Williams, more than Tom Izzo, 
more than Bill Self. I, I don't see how that salary is justified at this point in any way. Not, I, I mean, I can't justify it. There's no way. You make a great point. We should frame this conversation between the two of us and say neither of us are of the opinion that this is just good enough for Tennessee. I've seen a lot of people and a lot of responses that say, well, Tennessee historically stinks. And the fact that he makes the tournament most years is better than we could really have hoped. I'm not of that opinion. The tournament's fine. That's great. The tournament means literally nothing. At the end of the day, nobody remembers you for your first round exit, for your second round exit. They'll mark it down on a Wikipedia page that you made the Sweet 16. Uh, and then after that, we start talking about good stuff. Elite Eights, Final Fours, National Titles. I don't care about the NCAA tournament. I want to see more, and I know that Tennessee basketball can achieve more. Um, it's all there. You have a team with three five-star players on it. What should be senior leadership in, in guys like Fulkerson, Ponds, you know, you, you have guys that are older. Your team's not all freshmen. I mean, Tennessee this year had the formula in terms of what you look for out of a team that, that could make a good run in March. A been there, done that, but also some really exciting young energy mixed in there sort of team. And they blew it sky high and it's on Rick Barnes shoulders. I'm not in anybody that says, well, Rick Barnes didn't dribble a basketball this season. You think I'm going to blame the unpaid kid out on the court before the guy that makes $5 million, the guy that makes more money than your football coach. You think I'm going to blame the kid? <laughs> He's the coach. Like Rick Barnes is the coach, and especially, I, I think there are there are a lot of a lot of people in the SEC in particular, just because it's such a football heavy conference. There's a lot of people don't really realize what kind of a difference of a coach can make in college basketball. Just look. So, so this is just a, a perfect perfect example. Again, for anybody that hasn't listened to this show at length, I'm a huge basketball guy. I'm really more of a basketball guy than I am a football guy. Um, and so that that's just where this opinion comes from. The perfect example is Syracuse in this tournament right now. Syracuse, an 11 seed. I had a conversation with a friend before the tournament, um, and we were just sort of, it, the we were talking, and there was some graphic that CBS put up that was like, look at all these orange teams in the tournament, and it was like Tennessee, Oklahoma State, Illinois, all Syracuse, and the, the thing said, which orange team will make it the furthest? And I said, Syracuse, they have the best coach. Well, lo and behold, and I swear, I have a text that says this. I'll, if you really want to see it, I'll post it on Twitter. I don't care. It actually exists. I swear it's timestamp. <laughs> this really happened. I was like, Syracuse, they have the best coach. Like, Bayheim has taken like a 10 seed to a Final Four. A, a great coach. Rick Pitino went to Iona for one year and took them from a nothing to the NCAA tournament in one year. Like, a great coach. And yeah, Rick Pitino's a giant slime ball. He's an amazing basketball coach. A, a coach can make such a massive, massive difference when, when you know how to scheme around a player where you say, I have this set of players. And in basketball, you only have to scheme around five guys. It's not like football where you got 22 out there. It's five guys, five on five. Like there are excellent minds on co in college basketball that they're just so good at out coaching you. There are just guys who can do that. J Jay Wright. I mean, Jay Wright has ha has won national titles with teams that didn't have a five-star player on the court. Like, there's just a way to do that. And a great coach can make such a difference. And flat out, Rick Barnes is not a great in-game coach. He is just not that. He's never going to be, unless there's some miracle around the corner. Like you said, we're 30-some-odd years into this. He's just not going to be. And I want more. A sp and then on top of that, I, if, he was, if he wasn't making $5 million, I'd have this opinion. But he's making $5 million. And so I want even more than that. You got to coach at a $5 million level. And I, look, 
we just have to call a spade a spade. At this point, it's not going to get better. Why would I think that it would? Why would I think that suddenly it's just going to turn around? I don't mean to be this harsh. I love, love, love everything that Rick Barnes has done for Tennessee and the level that he's put the team at and the, the stable ground that he's put Tennessee basketball on. But if all I can say about what you've done in your time at Tennessee is put the program on stable footing, you haven't done that much. That's, I know this is going to sound super callous and there's going to be people that don't like it. He hasn't done that much. He hasn't. Being number one isn't that great. There's a lot of coaches that have taken a team to number mm-hmm. one. That's not that great. A lot of fired coaches that have taken teams yeah. to number one. Mm-hmm. Kevin, Kevin Stallings had some really good basketball teams at Vandy. Kevin Stallings won... Kevin Stallings won the SEC tournament against the greatest college basketball team I've ever seen. He beat that. Uh, what was it? The the uh, the 2011 uh, Kentucky team with Anthony Davis. He beat that Kentucky team and won the SEC title. And Kevin Stallings was not a good basketball coach. <laughs> he got fired on down the road. I mean, he got sent packing, but he put some good basketball teams together. But at the end of the day, what was Kevin Stallings left holding? A pink slip, okay? And so it's just not that special. I'm glad that Tennessee has a stable major basketball program that can get five-star players and all these things. We need a coach who can maximize the roster. I'm sorry. It's a tough conversation to have. It is, but, you know, Rick Barnes basically has done at Tennessee for Tennessee basketball what everyone is hoping Josh Heupel will do for the football program. Yeah, you know, that Barnes, would be really great. Barnes came into a tough situation. Uh, you know, you had to fire a coach unexpectedly, Donnie Tindall, and, and it wasn't the, the greatest situation. It wasn't as bad as the football program, but, it, you know, it, it wasn't ideal by any means, and he's made it respectable. And whoever comes in next should be able to take the basketball program higher. And you hope, I mean, really, I think that's the expectation for Josh Heifel. The football program is just turn it, you know, make it respectable. Go to a bowl game every year, finish with a winning record. And I don't think there's any shame in that for Barnes. I mean, when you combine a salary, yeah, of course. But yeah, I mean, I think fans should appreciate it. You can appreciate what Barnes has done while also expecting more based on what he's getting paid to do. Exactly. And... Like you said, if he couldn't do it with Kevin Durant at Texas, who who can you get better than Kevin Durant at Tennessee or any program, really? I mean, he's one of the greatest college basketball players of all time. If you can't do it with that guy, I, I don't know who you can do it with. I mean, I'll say, if by some miracle, Rick gets Springer and Johnson to return next year. Mm-hmm. You will, I mean, ask any college basketball analyst, you will have one of the best, if not the best backcourt in America. I mean, that's, you are stacked from top to bottom because you, you'll have Josiah Jordan James still. And I, you, you'll still lack a big man, but maybe you get like a graduate transfer or something. And I'll say this. If that's the roster that Rick can put out on the court next year, graduate transfer, big man, all those guys return, and Kennedy Chandler comes in. I guess I didn't even say that yet. Kennedy Chandler, five-star player coming in this season. I meant to say that. Um, You'd have probably the best backcourt in America, and if not that, very, very close to it. And then maybe a good situation down low. Maybe. Tennessee could go further despite Rick Barnes. And that's the tough part of this. That's the whole thing is that I go, maybe he can stack the roster so well that it circumvents his, his bouts with poor coaching where his teams go five minutes in a game without a bucket when they need a bucket the most. Like he's got to let him, he's got to let him play though. If that's the case. Yeah. I mean, he just, just some, some of the stuff I, I even, I mean, I think I mentioned it last week where you saw like, yeah, Euros Plavsius is not, I, I don't mean to be mean. He, he's not good. <laughs> he's just not. <laughs> um, but he has, he has the potential to be used in a way that could be useful. And Rick just sat his butt on the bench all season. And I watched him here with Fulkerson out and I went, this kid could have been utilized. 
And he wasn't at all. Where was the thought around this? I, I mean, I'm not in practice every day to see what he does. I can only see what I s- saw out on the court this season, but that was just my perception. I was like, you had a, you had a seven footer right there. And we were battling all season with not having a big man. And, and like, why isn't he a better rebounder when he's a seven footer? You just like, there's, there's questions there. Um, and this, I don't, I didn't mean to make this into a Rick Barnes ripping session again, very, very appreciative of the stable ground that he's put this basketball program on. And I'll say what I said last week. Do I kind of have a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach about the current situation of Tennessee basketball? Yes. But am I pessimistic about the long-term prospects of Tennessee basketball? No, I'm not. Because he put the program on good footing. He put the program in a good spot. Think, think about this. If, if, per se, things go real south next season and you have to have a real tough conversation about Rick Barnes, um, hopefully they don't and, it, you know, things turn out right, but whatever. Um, cause you, and and I'll, I'll say this. You can't fire him this year. I'm not saying fire the guy right now. You can't. You simply cannot do that. Tennessee shouldn't do that. You shouldn't fire Rick Barnes this season. As much as I'm, I'm hawking on him right now, you just, you can't. No, no, no. Don't do that. Don't, please. Dear Lord, don't do that. Don't fire Rick Barnes, please. You got Kennedy Chandler coming in. Don't fire Rick Barnes. But, uh, you know, per se, it goes real south next year. Just a really disappointing season. You kind of have to have a tough conversation. Think about how good of a shape Tennessee basketball is in. The SEC as a league, good, but very winnable. Rick Barnes won the regular season, one of his seasons at, at Tennessee. You know, very winnable league. Nate Oates in his second year won uh, with Alabama. I mean, this is a very winnable league. It's not like you have some monolith at the top. It used to be Kentucky, but Kentucky obviously is off a cliff right now. And Florida. Like, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, every it's real level playing ground. Uh, to you know wrap all of that up and then on top of that you've seen now that Tennessee has the ability to attract five-star players so hey five-star players winnable league uh an attractive uh attractive town to live in Knoxville it's not the middle of nowhere it's not Starkville Mississippi an attractive place to live and Tennessee can pay Tennessee can pay boy and you know that already you're paying the guy five million bucks and so you can pay Good city to live in. You can get five-star players here, and it's a winnable league. I mean, what more do you need to make an attra- an incredibly attractive job in college sports? Oh, I have a really good chance of winning, and I can get five-star players, and it's a decent place to live, and I can get a fat paycheck? Oh, well, that sounds like the best situation possible if I'm a coach. You know? Like, that is that is a formula made to get a good coach. And I've seen a lot of people say, I'll, I'll get in to this I because I even I took notes on this because I started thinking about it because I've gotten this question so much in the last few days because I've been tweeting about this so many people ask me who are you gonna get 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 who are you gonna get? here we go you want to know here's just some people right off the top that I came up with in a five-minute Google search okay Porter Moser at Loyola Chicago if you gave that guy a fat paycheck it, it would be very hard for me to believe uh that he would not come to Tennessee, he has as many Final Fours as Rick Barnes. Uh, Pat Kelsey at Winthrop ha- has had a really good go of it lately. He won the Big South this season, uh, was the Big South Coach of the Year. You know, some somebody like that, I feel like he would walk on broken glass uh, to get here. Kevin Willard, Seton Hall, Steve Forbes, Wake, Rick Stansberry at Western Kentucky, Kevin Keats at NC State, Greg McDermott at Creighton, Dana Altman at Oregon, Kelvin Sampson at Houston. Like, go down your list of guys that I think you could potentially get to come to Tennessee. Like, yeah, you're not going to get freaking Mike Krzyzewski to come to Tennessee. Sure. But as I said, a good coach can turn this thing around so quickly and take you where you really want to go. And Porter Moser has made as many final fours as Rick Barnes has. Like, what do I, what do I have to say? There are guys out there that I think could potentially take you where you need to go. And you have an AD who just who had in the past hired the guy that just won the SEC? He hired Nate Oates at Buffalo. Danny White did. So I, like I said, do I have a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach about the current situation around Tennessee basketball and Rick Barnes? Yes. Am I pessimistic about the long term future of Tennessee basketball? No. 
because I think you have an AD who at least has a decent track record of hiring basketball coaches. And you have an amazing situation in terms of attracting a, a basketball coach to come to your school. So hopefully that helps anybody that has had those questions just for reference there. If things continue at Tennessee, like they have under Rick Barnes, you keep seeing first round exit, you know, lots of talent, maybe second round, maybe even a sweet 16. Say they don't get further than a sweet 16 in the next year or two. How, how do you see this playing out with Rick Barnes? How do you, or how do you think it should play out with Rick Barnes? He's under contract through 2024 currently. How it should play out if it goes yeah. south next season, you fire when you find a new guy. How do I think it will actually go in reality? <laughs> Not that way, because uh, this is Tennessee. Um, I, I mean, I, I will say, Danny White did not hire Rick Barnes. And Rick Barnes, according to people on the inside, Rick Barnes wanted John Gilbert as AD, because John Gilbert's his boy. Right. John Gilbert's his friend from Eastern Carolina. If John Gilbert was the AD, I would go, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen because John Gilbert's going to pat his friend on the back and go, you can retire here whenever you feel like it. I don't know that Danny White's going to do that. He yeah, seems I like think... a, he seems like a fiery, aggressive mm-hmm. dude who's not going to put up with it. And I think it's actually pretty easy to fire Rick Barnes next spring. His, his buyout drops next April after next, sometime next April, I believe the buyout drops. Cause right now it's, like they pretty much owe him whatever's left, I think, on the contract. And then it drops by quite a bit. But he's been fired by Texas. He tried to leave for UCLA and then made some comments that, you know, struck folks the wrong way, and he hasn't found success. I think you could ease. I mean, of course, there'll be some fans that are upset because they like Rick Barnes as a person. But from a business standpoint, I think it's easy if you want to fire him, I don't think you'll face much pushback at all. I remember, I mean, Tennessee got some pushback when they hired him to begin with from some of the national mm-hmm. writers kind of mocking Tennessee. Um, yeah, I, I think you can move on from him easily after next season if it doesn't work out. I, I would put it this way because I think Tennessee fans, when it comes to basketball, they think about things in a microcosm. They think about it in the, in the context of Tennessee basketball only. But if you went and you talk to a national, if you went and talked to Matt Norlander at CBS, who is, you know, if you don't know who he is, he writes about college basketball for CBS. If you went and you asked him, and you said, uh, Tennessee, you know, finishes sixth in the league next year and doesn't make the tournament, and Tennessee decides to fire Rick Barnes, what would you think about that? Uh, it, Matt Norlander would go, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he's not, he's not getting you where, where you need to go. And so you, you got to move on. And he would he would also probably go, that's also who Rick Barnes has been his whole career. Mm-hmm. He would look he would look at the context outside of Tennessee basketball. He, you know, a national writer doesn't care about the history of Tennessee and the fact that Tennessee hasn't made the tournament every year. He would go, yeah, Rick Barnes is not he's not doing what what you need him to do. And so you fired him. And like that's that would be the perception from outside. And you got to look at it more of that thousand foot view uh, because. The truth is this, like people look at Tennessee as a serious contender, whether you do or not, whether you as a Tennessee fan don't care that much about Tennessee basketball or whatever your feeling may be like earlier in this season, national writers were looking at Tennessee and going, oh, that's a national title contender. Go back and look at the tweets. Go back and look at the stories. They were going Tennessee's one of the best teams in America, and they have a really good set of players and they are a final four contender. And. I mean that that was serious talk early on in the season and in the preseason. Well, and you like, start, Tennessee is viewed that way. Yeah, you start you start landing five star recruits and those expectations instantly jump. I mean, you you get five star guys a lot of times they're one and done, and the expectation is you're you're making a deep tournament run with those guys while they're making their name on a national stage. I mean, that's kind of with those commitments come those expectations. It just is what it is. That's that's the thing. And I said it last week. I want a Final Four more than I want Rick Barnes. That's the bottom line. And I know a lot of people don't agree with that strategy of kind of rashly firing a coach. But here's what I know about Tennessee sports and the history. Football is a different animal than basketball. But let's just look at the history of, of Tennessee football, the recent history of Tennessee 
football and the the hazard of keeping someone for too long. Okay, you let Fulmer stay for too long. And and I know a lot of people think Fulmer didn't get to stay long enough and a lot of people think that he you know, he didn't get his due. Think about that however you want. But he went 5 and 7 two out of 3 years. You let him stay a little too long and they the were game passed him by like top 10 one of those years i believe yeah the the game had just passed him by and it was just time and you let him stay a little little too long but at that point that wasn't that bad at that point that wasn't that bad and then you hire kiffin and that's a real linchpin in that whole thing and he leaves after one year and that's that's a thing all on its own but then you have the panic tiring of Derek dooley you should you should have fired Derek Dooley after year two. When you should he lost have to... just hired David Cutcliffe, but well, exactly. <laughs> That's what you should have done. Uh, but yeah, you know, what could have But you you should have fired Derek Dooley when he lost to Kentucky. You lost you lost to Kentucky for the first time in fifty years or whatever it was. You should have fired him then, but you kept him an extra year, and it sent the thing rolling downhill even further. So then you give it to Butch Jones. After 2015, it was pretty clear that if Butch Jones was going to succeed, it was going to be despite Butch Jones. You give him 2016, he should have been fired after 2016. The second they lost to Vandy and missed the Sugar Bowl, you should have been like, you're out of here. But you let him stay an extra year because, oh, well, he's he won nine games and that's the blah, 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 blah. No, you let him stay too long and he torpedoed the place straight into the ground, and then Jeremy Pruitt, he loses to Kentucky by 30. And we should have had an AD that walked into his office and went, get out and don't ever come back. We don't lose to Kentucky by 30 around here. But we let him stay half a season too long, and then we brought up this investigation to get rid of him without having to pay him and all of this garbage. And, you know, the, the program's in the worst shape that it's ever been in. That's the hazard that you run with keeping somebody for too long. Now, do I think if you let Rick Barnes stay a couple of years extra, he's going to torpedo the place? No, I do not. I do not think that will happen. But I think you you know, you know, could miss the, the tournament a couple of years in a row and be in a tougher spot than you probably need to be. It's going to be harder to get those five-star guys. In that Exactly. Don't let team. it get too far down the road if it goes south please just be decisive enough to say enough's enough. We can find somebody else. Like just be decisive enough. Cause again, I want a final four more than I want Rick Barnes. And if you can find another guy who can win these games, even, even if it's, even if it's raw, I said this last week, even if it's Rob Lanier, Barnes is old coach. Rob Lanier won the Sun Belt this year. Okay. And he, he went to Georgia state and, and won the Sun Belt. Okay. So maybe it's Rob Lanier. I don't know. I'll let Danny White decide if it comes to that. I hope it doesn't come to that. But I got 30 years worth of evidence with Rick Barnes that says it's going to come to that. Okay. And so that's where we're at. It sucks. But he got blown out by Oregon State in the first round after a disappointing regular season. And I don't, I don't know what other conversation to have outside of, like, I think some people just want to ignore it. And that's fine. You just want to move on to football. I get it. But I have I have a podcast to do, okay? <laughs> you know? And so you, yeah, you can man, ignore it, and I, I'm fine with that. But if I'm having this conversation, a true serious conversation about Tennessee basketball, this is a conversation that has to be had, you know? Yeah, you're wasting a huge window of potential success right now where Tennessee could be making a run to the Elite Eight with the talent that's on their team roster and they're not doing it and it's a waste and this that's feels what's hard to swallow this feels really similar to 2015 2016 butch jones where georgia mm -hmm. sucked florida sucked florida sucks at basketball kentucky sucks at basketball the best team in the league is alabama but their roster is kind of going to be stripped next season all their best players are seniors outside of javon quinterly um and so, like, they may take a step back next season. Uh, and, you know, you have a league that can be, like, if you put the right team out there on the floor, this team, I don't want to say it'll be easy to win, but it's as easy as it'll ever get. I'll put it that way. Like, F Florida 
when Billy Donovan was here, was an absolute powerhouse. They were a monster when Bruce was here. They won back-to-back national titles when Bruce was at, ten- at Tennessee. And Bruce still beat Florida those years a couple of times. And, you know, like he had that to run up against. Kentucky sucks. Calipari's not a good coach. And he's kind of been exposed. And, like, his strategy with nothing but young players has gotten exposed. And, like, you just, this is a beautiful window to be running the SEC. And it's getting squandered. I wish we could have a different conversation. But I'm not going to get on here and lie to everybody about what I'm watching. It just is what it is. And it's time to call a spade a spade with Barnes. Again, you can't can't fire him this year. I'm not for firing him this year. He's got, uh, he had a good roster this year. He's got a huge, probably the best recruit in the history of Tennessee basketball coming in next year uh, or close to it. And so let's see how it plays out. Yeah, I think think it helps that, you know, North Carolina first round exit, uh, Ohio State losing in the first round. Illinois is a one seed. They've been knocked out already. Uh, you know, it, it's been a strange year, so I think you you can kind of, if you're looking for a silver lining, you can just kind of chalk it up to, well, it's just a weird year, and everybody, nobody really knows what to expect. I, I mean, I don't really buy that as an excuse, but I can see how some folks could kind of make that, make that argument. Because, you know, you see Roy Williams lose in the first round of Wisconsin. That's not something you expect to see. You know, you, you, you haven't, you, you've seen a lot of things you haven't expected to see. It's been hard to predict. So if you if you do look at it from kind of that national view and not so closely, you can kind of see that side of it too. Definitely. But just don't don't, don't let, let it get away. Happening. <laughs> yeah. My but my entire point with all of this, with Rick Barnes, if if my sneaking suspicion unfortunately comes to fruition. That rhymed. My sneaking suspicion comes to fruition. <laughs> If worse comes to worst, I'll put it that way. <laughs> don't let it get away from you. That's the bottom line. Please, Tennessee, don't let the, the basketball team get away from you. Like you have football, where it's just a burning swamp fire disaster. Please don't do that. It, I mean, it essentially did with Donnie Tindall. That was one of the lowest points I've seen with Tennessee basketball. And, I, and let me, I'll be honest, I thought Donnie Tindall was a good basketball coach. And I think given the opportunity after this 10 year show cause, he still will be a good college basketball coach, but uh, he got steamrolled by the NCAA. Uh, But I just, yeah, don't let it get away from you. That's, that's the entire conversation that I want to have. Cause it looks like I it's, it's headed in that direction. And I can I I'll defend I'll defend even for anybody again that may not listen to this show at length. I'll defend my record here too. Uh about saying what needs to be said about coaches. I've taken heat for over saying Butch stunk in 2015, saying Butch stunk in 2016, saying Pruitt stunk all of last year uh after the Kentucky game. Um and I was right about all of that. So that's my recent track record, if it helps anybody in this. It's just an intuition on my part where you kind of go, I know what I'm looking at, I believe. And you can just decide from there. But I took a lot of grief on all of those. And you know who came out on the correct side of all of that? Me. And I don't, you know, I hate to be that guy, but I know we're going to take heat over this. I know we are. I know there are going to be people that are pissed. I'm, you know, do it, do it that way you will. I know there are people who are going to hate that we're like, we're giving Rick Barnes (laughs) this much crap, but I, I I've had this feeling in the past and it has not let me down. Yeah. And you've prefaced all of it, especially recently with, Please prove me wrong. I hope I'm wrong about yeah, this. Yeah, I do. And it's not like you're taking joy in doing a victory lap over being right about Pruitt or or Barnes losing in the first round. Nobody wanted to see it. But, I mean, 
it is what it is. I mean, you, you see the evidence and that's all we have to go off of at this point. Yeah, that's all. I just, I call it how I see it. And unfortunately, those things have panned out the way I thought they would. And that's because it, I just watched enough Tennessee sports at this point. <laughs> I know where this road goes. You know, it sucks. I, hmm. but that's my whole spiel on Barnes. I am, yeah, I can't emphasize that enough. All I want to be talking about is how Tennessee is in an Elite Eight with a chance to go to a Final Four or in a Final Four. All I want to talk about is Tennessee playing in a New Year Six Bowl game or Tennessee playing in the playoff. That's all I actually want to talk about. That's what I want to talk about. But it's not what Tennessee gives me to talk about. So do it that way you will. And and you've been, I, I don't want to just include myself, especially with Pruitt. You you were down the, the rabbit hole with me, Zach. We were getting crap every single week over that situation. Uh and we did we did do a little bit of a victory lap about Pruitt though. Let's be honest. We did. Yeah, but that was kind of a hopeless <laughs> situation though. I mean we, we did we did a little I, I will say with, with Barnes, I'm surprised that yeah, I haven't called for him to be fired either. I've 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 said I've wrote about how Tennessee has to decide if this is who they want to be, what they want from their program, things we've talked about. And I've also wrote about the various ways that the Barnes era could end at Tennessee. Because one way or the other, it's coming to an end soon. I mean, yeah. he, he's he's getting up there in age. I, I cannot see him getting another extension or raise based on his performance so far. So either he's going to get fired they're going to let him play out his contract. He's going to retire. You know, something like that's going to happen. I've taken the most grief, though, just for suggesting that Tennessee should be better than this. Not even saying that Barnes should be fired, just saying, hey, he's got to do better. They, This isn't who Tennessee should be. And the pushback on that is it's been pretty ridiculous because why would you not want the basketball team to be better? Why would you want to see a team loaded with talent not go to the Sweet 16 at least, the Elite Eight, which is what I think the goal should be. Uh, the, the the amount of people that are just satisfied with Rick Barnes as a good person is stunning to me because that's usually the comment that you see is Rick Barnes is a good man. And I'm not disputing that one bit. I no, like that's Rick not Barnes. what we're talking about at all. Yeah. yeah no questions guy. about his character or anything about him at all. I think he's a great fit at the program. But that does not supersede results in any way. No, it 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 is all about stockholder value. At the end of the day, what are you doing for me right now? And right now, Tennessee basketball is in the red because you're paying a guy five million dollars and you're getting run out of the gym in the first round of the tournament. Do and- you know? As as saw this right before we started. Do you know, according to USA Today, how much Mark Few is paid at Gonzaga? Oh, man. No, I don't. And they're, they are so good. I watched them play Oklahoma today. He's such a good coach. According, how, how to, much USA, according to USA Today, his total salary, and this is as of March 9th, $1.9 million. No, Really? Yes. Is that true? I mean, he coached and, in the national title game. I don't know if there's any <laughs> pandemic reduction in that because there is some pandemic reduction pay listed on a few of these coaches. Surely. There's there's nothing listed for him, but none of the coaches listed have a reduction by more than 386 no, 416,000. Yeah, that Matt Painter at Purdue <laughs> is the biggest reduction in salary. So even if you even if you say that's maybe two, two and a half million, maybe that's still insane. Wow. I, I looked, I was, uh, I was filling out my bracket earlier this week. I texted some friends of mine about this. I was looking, I just looked up how good Gonzaga was this season. I only watched them a couple of times, but I knew they were really good. Obviously they're undefeated. Um, and I got on Mark Fuse Wikipedia page. He has coached, for, I believe, 22 years at Gonzaga. He has won less than 25 games 
one time. Wow. In 22 years, he has won less than 25 games one time. I believe it was 17 conference titles. Uh, and, and I'm talking, I believe, 20 regular season conference titles. So 20 of 22 conference titles. 17 tournament titles. And then he's coaching a national championship game. Uh, I want to say an Elite Eight also. Like, his track record is one of the most unbelievably consistent. And, and yeah, you can say, oh, it's the West Coast Conference. It's the West Coast Conference. He coached and he took Gonzaga to a national title game. Stop it. Like, Mark Few is not some chump in a tiny league. I But I looked that up earlier this week. And I was like, that is insane. Because, <laughs> I mean, it. All, all you have to say, like, yes, it's a small conference. How many other coaches in any conference at all have done that? How many? It's not that easy. Especially Gonzaga, which is like the size of a small high school uh, enrollment-wise. They have like 500 students on campus or something. Um, so that, yeah, that's so crazy. But I guess it makes sense. Gonzaga's so tiny with that that pay grade. Yeah, but man, he, I mean, you would think at some point someone else would have latched onto him and offered him just a ridiculous amount of money. I mean, maybe he, he doesn't want to leave. I don't know. He's been at Gonzaga forever, even as an yeah. assistant. He strikes me as the sort of Chris Peterson of mm-hmm. college basketball, where he is just something good about those where West he's Coast at. jobs. Yeah, there's something about it where he, I mean, it's the same thing. He's up there in Spokane, Washington. I, I just imagine that Mark Few, he just goes and spends the offseason in a cabin in the woods <laughs> with his family. <laughs> and that's, I I mean, if there's some really interesting stories about Mark Few, uh, too, about like, he is actually genuinely sort of blasé about the way that he coaches. He is not like, an incredibly intense working 400 hours a week, sort of a guy. He, he is like tons of family time, uh, time for friends and still is one of the best college basketball coaches in America. It's a fascinating guy, but this is a Tennessee podcast, not a Gonzaga. Podcast. Uh, <laughs> I just, can Mark, you come to coach Tennessee? Just uh, wanted to talk about somebody that's winning and, and earning their money. Yeah, that would be Mark view is doing more than his salary's worth of work at Gonzaga. Um, and they, it will not surprise me in the least. Uh, if, if you gave me, if you w- said Gonzaga or the field right now, I pick Gonzaga. At this oh, yeah. point, it, to the Sweet 16, Michigan just beat LSU. Um, as we record this, Gonzaga, I think. They're just yeah, think, they're the best team. To me, Baylor might be the only real threat. They're really good, and they would... They, the way that the bracket sets up, they would play in the national title game. That would be a fun one. That would that. be, yes. Baylor is really good. I watched them play yesterday, too. And I watched them play some during the season. Um, Yeah. Well, I'm, I know people are gonna, they're not gonna be happy about this one. And uh, that's too bad. <laughs> Look, there's gonna be a lot of, there's gonna be a lot of comments from people that just see this posted and, you the, the comments will be you can't fire Rick Barnes that that'll be before they listen anything so I know that's going to be people's assumption but yep without a doubt and that is a sacrifice that I am willing to make it's all for the good people to listen to this show uh, that's let's see if I can use my Spotify account to make my what I'm gonna my wife is driving right now and listening to Spotify. Sorry, babe. I'm going to take it over and play <laughs> the outro song for the show. Um, I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan. This has been the Big Orange Podcast. Thank you so, 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 so much for listening. And uh, hopefully not too many of you get pissed off at us. Uh, any any parting thoughts as we go, Zach, that you, uh, you didn't get to? No, I'm just going to keep scrolling to see how many people make less than Rick Barnes that are still in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> That's going to be my rest of my night. Just give a gander to that list I read off uh, earlier of coaches that would be hireable. Anyway, um, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, 
at A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com for everything that Zach writes and the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on iTunes and Spotify. Rate, review, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. That's it. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later. I can't find him.